Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? We made it to December, amen? Yeah. I got to tell you, it's so much fun in our house. We have one of those little things where you put candy in every day. And our grandson, man, he was on the countdown till the 1st of December when he could pull out one of the little drawers and get a piece of candy. So we finally made it. And, and doesn't the church look beautiful? Yeah. Want to thank all the, yeah, thank all the people who, uh, who showed up last week to get our decorating on. We want to welcome you if you're with us online too, because we know like there may be more people online today just because of the uh, drizzly weather, you know, because we're from California. We don't drive in the rain, right? So um, yeah, I've seen some of you try to drive in the rain. It's not pretty. So we need some lessons, right? <laughs> but we're in week two of our series that we're calling The Gifts of Christmas. And last week we started off with the, the gift of presence. Not presence with a T, like the stuff under the tree, but the gift of presence, of being able to be there, to be with one another. We learn about the billions of dollars that we spend on presence with a T, but the true meaning of Christmas is all about being present. In a world that's concentrating on presence, we need a church that is concentrating on presence. And we looked at how God, the God of the universe came, that, that he took on flesh and he was present with us. And we looked at how we need to be present with God and with the people around us. And this morning, we're gonna unwrap the gift of peace. On Christmas morning of uh, 1863, a gentleman was awakened by the church bells in his town. He was still grieving the loss of his wife from some months earlier where she had passed away in a fire. And he had just received news the night before that his oldest son, a soldier in the Union Army, had been badly wounded in battle. And at that moment, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow picked up a pen and wrote these words that are familiar to many of us at Christmas time. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But he went on to write this, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And I don't know if you, maybe like Longfellow, uh, have almost given up on any hope that there's going to be true peace on earth. We, we look around on the things that are going on in our worlds and maybe even touching our own lives and we wonder if peace is just kind of a, an elusive thing. Maybe, maybe peace is just that pipe dream of Miss America contestants, right? And we wonder, is peace even possible? I, I know this time of year, there's a lot of emotions. You know, while, while many of us are filled with happiness and joy. I mean, we're having fun watching grandkids running around and our, one of our littlest ones learning not to touch the ornaments on the tree, you know. But then there's real struggle. There's real emotion. There's, there's real loss. There's real feelings of loneliness and all those things that seem far from peace and the peace that God wants to bring us. You know, one article that I was reading this last week stated that out of the 3,400 years of what would be considered recorded history, there's only been 260 years of that without war in our world. So basically 92% of recorded history, our world has been at war. 
Another article stated that out of the 246 years of American history, we've only had 15 years without war. And even as we sit here this morning, war is still a reality in our world. Uh, we, we know all too well that our world is not at peace. But on a hillside, just outside of Bethlehem, some 2,000 years ago, the angels gave us and brought to us this incredible, enduring hope. In, in Luke 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So things didn't start out very peaceful. They were terrified at this heavenly encounter. But then it goes on and says, But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. The angels celebrated this newborn king and that he had come to bring peace. 700 years prior to that, the prophet Isaiah, he, he told us that this day was going to come when in Isaiah chapter 9 he says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Wouldn't it be nice if Jesus would come and have the government on his shoulders right now? No wonder these shepherds were excited. This long-awaited Messiah was born, born to bring them peace. And the people of Isaiah's day, they, they certainly longed for peace. Isaiah, he continued to warn the people that they were outside of their relationship with God and that there was this impending doom of the Assyrians and the Babylonians that would come and take them captive because of their disobedience. And the year Jesus was born, we know from the Bible account that, that, that the Roman ar army occupied the Holy Land. The peace of Rome was anything but peaceful to people like the shepherds. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Part of the difficulty for us today is how we define peace. The title in Isaiah, the Prince of Peace, it's made up of two words, prince and peace. The, the Hebrew word peace is the word sar. It, it's usually, or I'm sorry, prince, it's the word sar. It usually is a military term used for a commander who is carrying out the orders of the king. In other words, he's doing what the king tells him to. So if you look at it that way, Jesus came to bring the peace that God wanted for us. Jesus was born to bring peace, but what is this peace? Many of us define peace more by what it's not. We see peace as a, a lack of hostility. We think peace is finally having the opportunity to rest or to stop the madness of the world. And these things are all good. The idea of peace here in Scripture, though, is much, much deeper than that. The, the word for peace in, uh, the, in Isaiah, 
is the popular word that you don't even have to know much Hebrew to, to be familiar with because we hear it every once in a while. It's the word shalom. Can you say shalom? Everyone say shalom. Right. It, it, it's a great word. But shalom mean, doesn't just mean the, it can mean the ceasing of hostility. It can mean a calmness of spirit, but it means much more than that. Shalom means completeness, wholeness, rightness. It, 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 for instance, if, if you had a jigsaw puzzle, how many of you like to do puzzles, especially around Christmas time, right? Especially nice in the rain. And um, every once in a while, we like to do the jigsaw puzzles. And, but if you take all the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle, right, and you just dump them out, and it's all disheveled all over the place, right, then you got to straighten them out, and then you got to flip them all up so you can see what's going on. But, but there's chaos on the table, right? It's just this stuff all over the place. But it's, it's when you put them together. When you put them together in the order that they were meant to be in, they create a picture and that would be called shalom. You have put them together in the way they were intended to go. And that's what God wants for our lives. He wants to experience this rightness of life, this calmness that comes by having life put together the way God intended it to go. And in the same way, God saw that our lives were in shambles because of sin, separated from a relationship with God because of our sin, but because of his great love for us, he decided to send Jesus to make things right between us and God. You know, when we, when we don't trust God to care for our needs, when we don't trust God for what our life needs, we take it upon ourselves. And when we take it upon ourselves, when we think we have to be the ones that provide everything that we need, when that happens, we put our desires first. And when we put our desires first, we get selfish and we end up hurting one another. We're not just separated from God, we're separated from one another. And that hostility just fills our world with anxiety. So I studied the biblical concept of peace the last couple of weeks. And I, <clears throat> I took all the verses I could find on this idea of peace. Old Testament, New Testament. And there was hundreds and hundreds of references to peace throughout scripture. And they fell into three basic categories. There was spiritual peace, there was personal peace, and then there's relational peace. So peace with God, peace with myself, and peace with others. And all of those different pieces fall in those categories. So I want to take a look at those three really quickly and how we achieve those. The first is peace with God. The, the peace with God is the most important because you can't have the other two pieces, right? The other two pieces can't fit together unless the first one is in place. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do you have peace with God? Well, we're justified through our faith. And so it's through faith that we come to peace with God. Now, it, it, the Romans passage goes on, and you skip down to verse 6, it says, You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, that would be us, the ungodly. How many, how many of you are the ungodly? Yeah, it's all of us, right? 
Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. You skip down again to verse 10. It says, for if while we were God's enemies, so it takes it another level. While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. And how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? So we, we, were, we were enemies of God. We were separated from him. There was this chasm that was between us. And we were not at peace with God. And, and, and we did not do anything to earn this gift of peace. In, in fact, the reality is this, and this is in your notes if you have a little note paper, and this is something I, just, I think we just need to concentrate on all the time, is this. Peace with God doesn't come from anything you do. It comes from what Christ has done, what Christ has already done. His death on the cross paid the price for our sins that brings us back into relationship with him. First John 4, 9 and 10 puts it this way. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This real love, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. When we have sin in our lives, it causes separation. And that separation causes the lack of peace. The, the more sin that I struggle with in my life, it, it doesn't just impact me and my relationship with God, it impacts my relationship with other people. We come to peace with God when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we trust him, when we admit that we're totally lost without him. That, that there's no other way but through faith in Jesus Christ. And once we have peace with God, then we can experience the peace of God in our lives. Did you catch that? So first we, get the, we come to peace with God, and we do that through placing our faith in the person of Jesus Christ. We trust him, we say, hey God, I can't do this myself. And honestly, I mean, how many of us get stuck <coughs> in trying to fix everything ourselves. How many of you are, are still dealing with the struggle of, like, I, I'm gonna fix this myself? And, and you know what kind of anxiety that causes. And, and so the reality is, is the way that we come to peace is that we say, I, 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 I can't fix it all. And I gotta tell you, that, that's a hard one for me, even on a regular basis. I mean, even as a pastor, even as somebody who knows that this is totally true on a daily basis, I'm, man, I, I'm a fix-it guy, right? I, we never call the repair guy until I've overtouched it, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I just, I go at everything. I'm like, the first thing I do, I'm going to try to fix it, you know, I know that with all this wonderful technology, you know, I scared Devin and the tech team to death. Why? Because I touch stuff. Right? I'm like, that's not working. Let's do that. You know, I'm a, but I'm a fix-it person. I'm like, my whole being is around like, got to fix, got to fix. I, I, I mean, I, being a pastor, it's like the biggest thing that I have to fight is I want to try to fix people. But what I have come to realize is this. I can't do it. You can't do it. None of us can do it. 
The only one who can fix what truly ails us is our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can bring real peace into the equation. And we desperately need his peace in our world. And so we come to peace with God by placing our trust in God. And once we have that peace, then we can experience the peace of God. So once you have the peace, you're at peace with him, you can experience the peace of God in your life. And so that would be the peace with myself, okay? So first we have to come to peace with God, then we come to peace with ourselves. And the biggest enemy of peace is pride. Anybody got just a little bit of that? Okay, now remember this, uh, and if you're visiting or if you're online or whatever, this is the safe place, right? This is like we're all in therapy together, right, to some extent. So, um, so how many of you have just a little bit of pride, right? Yeah, all of us. See, look around, you're not alone, we all deal with it, right? Because pride is that thing that says, I can do it. Pride is that thing that says, I don't need anybody else. Pride is that thing that says, hey, you know what? Y'all are wrong, but not me, right? That's, that's pride. I mean, and then, there's, and then there's pride to the next level, right? Which I get into sometimes, it's stubborn pride, right? It's like, man, I, I'm just, like, I'm, now I'm just stubborn. Because if I admit that I can't do it, that I can't fix it, that I can't make it different, I can't make it better, then man, then what does that say about me, right? It says I'm a sinner in need of a savior. It says, guess what? I can't fix it all. And I need to come to that realization on a regular basis because everything inside of me screams, no, you can fix it. Just keep working harder. Just keep trying more. Just keep, you know, doing this. Just, you know, add this, mix this differently, do whatever, and just, you can fix it. And how often do I attempt to fix things of life, but I leave God out of the equation? And so I'm not at peace with God, and that means I'm not at peace with myself. And the biggest enemy of peace is our pride. So we have to let go of that. When I'm full of myself, I can't experience the peace of God. When I am outside of relationship with God, when I depend on myself too much, I will not have peace. I will end up having fear, anxiety, and turmoil. Philippians chapter 4 Verses six and seven says it this way. Do not be anxious about anything. Aren't those some days the most annoying verses in the Bible? You, you, you know, or, or how many of you have had, have had a really like difficult day and then someone tells you that? And, and, and because of pride, right? We're like, don't be quoting the Bible at me. Mm-hmm, right, yeah. So, but God's, God's seriousness is don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. I, I heard something this week I thought was really good. It's like, you can, e- you, you can either, um, you, you want to pray, so, but, but you can either have pain or you can pray, right? You can either have pride or you can pray. And, and so we, we, want, we want to go with prayer. So, um, and it says, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God And then it says, and the peace of God, right? That's this this characteristic about the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. It means you don't even understand it. You, You don't know why peace just came over you, but it does. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
And I'm pretty sure this morning that most of us in this room, we could use a little peace in our hearts and in our minds. But the way to do that is, is we have to go to God with every situation. That by prayer, through prayer and asking, just asking God, hey God, I need you. That is the greatest declaration of all. God, I need you. And when we do that, then this peace can come over us that says, hey, guess what? Even if this doesn't get fixed, as long as I'm in a relationship with him, it's all good. Even when things are falling apart around us, even, even to the point where, you know, when, when people, our loved ones pass from this life to the next, and man, it, I mean, it just feels like the peace and the, the you know, whatever of love just gets sucked right out of us, but we can be at peace when we trust God. And once we have peace with God and experience the peace of God in our lives, then we can have peace with others. And, and, and this, is, this is where our world so desperate, you know, unfortunately, we, we try to come to peace on our own, and then we try to come to peace with others on our own. So, um, you know, if you go over to the, the bookstore, there's not a lot of those left, right? Because you've got to get everything on Amazon now. But if you go over to the Barnes & Noble and Westlake, you go to the self-help section, you know, self-help is like the biggest section in the whole place, which means we need a lot of help. Right? And you go over there, and all of this is trying to, you help yourself, you bring peace to your life by doing whatever each book says, right? You, 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 you have financial problems, so you help yourself, right? And, you, and you, you get finance. You have relational problems, lots of books on that, right? So, and, and so you, you go get a book on how, you know, and, and, and then you fix it yourself by reading these books and stuff. And that's the problem, is that all of that stuff out there is like, oh yeah, we're gonna show you how you can do this yourself. But they all fall short. In fact, every kind of peace that you get from any source other than God, I guarantee you it will be short-lived. It's temporary. Only God's peace is eternal. Well, once we have this peace with God by placing our faith in him, saying we can't do it alone, and then we, exercise, then we experience the peace of God in our lives because of his presence with us, then we can have peace with others. And, and this one's crucial. The, the, see, the further that I get away from God, the further I move away from God, the less I am at peace with other people. When I'm distant from God, or, or, or when my sin separates me from God, I can't experience the peace of God, and when I don't have the peace of God in my life, I become a jerk to other people. You know, I, I was thinking about this this week because I was thinking, well, maybe the furthest away I am from God is when I'm on the freeway. Or, or, or at Christmas season, maybe the furthest that somebody's away from God is at the mall parking lot. Because I see people being lots of jerks on the freeway and on the mall parking lot and different places, right? That's why I love the song that we sang, you know, when my eyes are on him. When my eyes are on Jesus, it's hard to be a jerk to somebody else. But when my eyes are on me and, and, and self and what I want and everything else, then it's easy because you're just in my way. That's what I've discovered about my problem when I'm driving, 
right? When I'm driving on the freeway, and, and, and that's why, you know, I mean, praise music, whatever it takes, right? Just when my eyes are on Jesus, I, I, I'm better. When my eyes are on me and my situation and the anxieties that I'm feeling, because maybe I'm late and maybe I gotta do this and my schedule's all crazy and everything else, when my eyes aren't on Jesus and my eyes are just on what's happening right in front of me and all that other chaos in my life, then I'm a jerk, even on the freeway, right? Because all those other people are just in my way. And so what I have to do is I have to, I have to slow down, calm down, and say, man, I gotta put my eyes on Jesus. Because it, like I said, it's really hard to be a jerk to other people when your eyes are on Jesus. And when we don't trust God to take care of our needs, we take it upon ourselves. When we take it upon ourselves, it makes us first. And then when it's me first, then you all are second. How does that feel? Right? And then, then there's hostility between us. If you want to have peace in your relationships, don't just try harder to, to work on your relationship. Work harder on your relationship with God. I, I, I use this all the time. If you've been around here for any length of time and we've talked about like marriage and relationships, I always use the triangle relationship. Um, I think there's a picture that's up here, um, maybe. Yeah, so there's you and there's others. And if you'll notice, if, if you're both focused on getting closer to God, then by the very nature, I think there's one more slide there, it, it, then you become closer to each other. Right? The closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. And, and that, man, I have seen that work in so many relationships. But the converse is also true. Because if, if you're moving away from God, if you're moving away from God, look at the distance between you and others. Not just the distance between you and God, but the distance between you and others increases as well. And when we're not in good relationship with God... Our relationships suffer. You know, and, and this is vital for us to understand. If you want to have a better marriage, um, you know, I, hey, my, my office is filled with books on marriage and stuff like that. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not saying don't, don't consult some of that good stuff. Make sure it's Christian stuff, right? But, but if you want a better marriage, don't, don't just go find a book and try to fix it yourself. Start with, work on your relationship with God. Because remember that little piece that passes understanding line that oftentimes is hard to sound, it sounds a little nebulous or a little broad, you're like, what is that really? Here, here's how it shakes itself out. When I'm working on my relationship with God, he changes the way I see everything, including my spouse. You know, I, I, don't see, I don't see any kind of conflict as just annoying anymore. I, I, I see conflict as, hey, we, we, we need to focus together on God and what he wants for us. And that just tends to fix things. And man, when, when two people together are both trying to grow in their relationship with God, man, you get close. And so I, I would tell you, if you're struggling in your marriage, man, you know, don't, don't just go, oh, you know, we just got to do all this stuff and that's going to fix it. I, it. It might make you happy for a moment or two, but if you want real peace in a relationship, focus on deepening your relationship with God. Get it right there first and then he will help you make the other relationship wholesome 
and fulfilling. He will bring peace into whatever cash you have. How many of you, like some of you in the room, you're just pulling your hair out because of kids, right? Now, and you know what? Here's the thing. Kids, kids can be crazy, right? There's some of you who are just like, you know, at Christmas time, I just would like to send them away for a while. It, it, if, you want, if you want better relationship with your kids, just keep working on your relationship with God. Now, will God tell you, hey, you, you should do some of these things? Yeah, absolutely, with your kids. But at the core, it's all about putting your relationship with God first. Do you want a better relationship with your boss? Do you want a better relationship with a teacher, with a neighbor, with anybody? If you want a better relationship anywhere, the, the, the first point is to look at yourself and say, how is my relationship with God going? When you're struggling with someone else, because here's the incredible thing. When, when I am at peace with God, one of the things that helps me realize is that other person's not really the problem. That I can have peace no matter what that person's up to, as long as I'm good with the Lord. And he will give me a different perspective and different eyes to see that other person. Sometimes what happens is when, all of, when I start getting right with God, I start seeing that that other person that I'm struggling with, that person's in pain, right? That person's been hurt. And we know that hurt people hurt people. But, but when God helps you see through our selfishness and through our pride and everything else, and we start to see those people in terms of where their relationship with God is and the pain that they're suffering through, then it helps us live in peace. And by the way, you can't just fix them anyways. Only God can truly do that. I mean, think about our world. Our world is so divided. All of us, all of us look at our world and we're like, how did all this division happen? We're right up there. We, you know what? We, we started moving away from God. Even as a country, we start moving away from God. And when we do that, there's not gonna be peace. There's not gonna be peace, I mean, let alone peace around the world, peace in our own nation, and we're more divided. Why? Because selfishness, pride, everything else, my way. And so it takes us away from the Lord and we struggle. And the only way, the only hope for true peace is through Jesus. Ephesians chapter two um, starting in verse 14, I, I think it's, it's really great for this idea of how, how do we come to peace with others. It says, for he himself, this is Jesus, for he himself is our peace, right? He doesn't just give you peace, he is your peace. Who, may, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, now, just be honest this morning, how, have you, how many of you have a little bit of hostility with somebody else in the world? None of this in church, right? That's like church ground rule. We don't, we don't elbow the person next to us, right? So how many, how many of you have, have some hostility, right? Yeah, with, with other people, yeah. And what this verse is t- telling us is he, he was talking specifically about Jews and Gentiles and different, different religions and stuff like that in the world, but he says, hey, he's our peace and he has made the two groups um, one, and he's destroyed the barrier. He's, he's knocked down the dividing wall of hostility. When we focus on him, he takes care of our pride. When we know that we can't do it, he is the only one, and we depend on him, and he breaks it down. 
you know, I, I wish I could explain all about how it works, but it's beyond our understanding. God just does it by Jesus being our peace. And then he goes on, he says, by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commands and its regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. When everyone's focused on him, we have peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. How do we get rid of hostility towards others? We focus on him. He is our peace. And, and that's, that's the true answer. So, so let's take a quick look. I just want to really quickly take a really fast look at how this works itself out, even in the Christmas story. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 24, we have the story of, you know, um, when Joseph finds out that Mary is, is expecting and it, it says this in Matthew 1, sorry, in verse 18, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, right? That's all happy, right? They're engaged, everything's good. Um, and, and then it says, but, you always gotta watch out for the but, right? But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So here, jo Joseph's like, I'm a good guy. My reputation's on the line here, right? So he's thinking about how this all affects him. You know, he, he's thinking about how this is going to impact his life, how his reputation is going to be tarnished, all these other things. Joseph is, all, you know, right? So his focus is on him. And, and, and so then what happens then? So he, he was going to, it's all about him. So all of a sudden there's this thing between him and Mary. And he was thinking about, you know, how he was going to ditch Mary. Right? So he's like, okay, this is how it's going to affect me. That ain't going to happen. I'm getting rid of her. A lot of us, that's the mess of relationships, Right? We think somebody else did something, how's that affect me? We don't think about how it affect them, and then we're just like, I'll just get rid of them. So then the story goes on. Here's another but. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to, to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Joseph has this clarifying God moment, right? Where he realizes all of a sudden that, hey, wait a minute, it's not just about me. It's not just about how this is going to impact me. This is like, this is, God, is, God is in control here. And, and he realizes, hey, God has a better plan than my plan. That God is up to something here, and he actually wants to use us. He actually wants to be part of our lives. And, and so when Joseph comes to this clear relationship with God, realizing, hey, God has a better plan, and he submits to that plan, then what happens, right? So now Joseph is he's like, okay, I'm okay. The angel comes and he's like, now he's at peace with God because he's gonna trust God. And then, so it says then, when Joseph woke up, 
he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded, and he took Mary home to be his wife. Do, do, do you see there how when we have a relationship with God, right, when we have peace with God, when we come to peace with what God wants and what God's doing in our lives, then we have peace within ourselves. Now he's no longer worried about how this is going to impact him. He's thinking, man, this is going to impact all of eternity. This is going to impact everybody else. And so now his peace with God gives him peace in himself, and now he can have peace with Mary, and he takes her home, and, and she's going to be his wife. However crazy this story messes with their lives, they can live at peace knowing that God is in control of it all. And come on, God turned their lives upside down. And everybody was pointing fingers at him in their hometown. They, they have to, you know, she has to have a baby in a, in a you know, manger or in a, in a stable somewhere. Then after that, the king's trying to kill their baby, and so they got to run to Egypt, and the, everything, it, it just, it, it doesn't look simple, but they're at peace through all of this. Why? Because they trusted. Because they said, yes, God's got a better plan the one than the one we were writing. And when we give it over to him, he can give us, when we have peace with God, then we have peace inside and then we can have peace with others. So what's stealing your peace today? Is it a situation? Maybe you got a situation that's just gobbling up your peace. Maybe it's a person Maybe it's a thing. Whatever it is, hear this carefully. Don't just keep trying to attack that thing. Invite Jesus into it. When you invite him in, he will be your peace in the midst of it. And then he will give you clarity on how to move forward. I mean, where do you need peace? Finances, relationships, work. Or maybe this morning, I'm gonna just guess that there's some of you who are here this morning and you just know you need peace with God. There's probably some of you in this room this morning, you, you've been pushing back on him, you've been fighting back against God. You, you've heard his truth but you're just not sure. You've maybe heard God calling, but you're like, man, if I, man, that's, that, that could be costly. It's worth it. It's worth every bit of it. Because once you have peace with God, he'll give you the peace of God and you can have peace with others. That's why we, we've been going through this um, thing. And if, if, you, if you were here already the last, last week, maybe you already picked up your, your, little, uh, your little gift here. This is kind of just a project we're working on together um, as a church family. If, if you don't have one already, you just need one per family. So don't, don't take more than one per family or we will run out. Um, and, and so what we've been doing is we've been taking a look at this box and um, last week we talked about presence and then we wrote on one of these little things and we, we, this week we're on peace. Um, and so you just pull out the little peace one and you think maybe, like I said, what, what's, what it is, where's your struggle? Where's your, where do you need peace in your life? 
Uh, maybe you're going to write a name down on there. Maybe you're going to write a situation down there. Maybe you're going to write down, hey, you know what? I need, I need to give this to the Lord. And, um, and so then, um, like we did last week on presence, like ways that you could be present, um, this week we want you to write something on here. Um, whether you do it with your life group and go through some questions and things like that, whether you do this just at home by yourself, um, however that happens. In fact, you know, it was brought to our attention, we have some, uh, some of these for singles because anybody can do this. And, um, and you write something on here and then you just stick it in the box, right? And then you think about some of that throughout the week and then we're, this whole thing's gonna culminate together on, um, on Christmas Sunday morning when uh, we're gonna have a video for everyone to watch from home um, and that thing will all come together and hopefully you'll see and it's gonna be pretty cool. Um, but the, the, the key today is what will you put in that box? What's that place in your life where you need peace? Because without it, without Jesus, y- y- your life won't be at peace. And I, we're, we're gonna have a baptism in just a few minutes um, because, you know, as we come to this realization, like we need the Lord, we need to listen to him, we need to follow his directions. And, and baptism is a way of showing we're surrendering to him. And if you've been fighting that in your life, guess what, the water's warm today. And we got extra bathing suits. So you know what? If you want to get baptized, then just come up after church. We'll take care of it. But um, just want to end with, with this, because really only God can give peace. On, on Christmas Eve in 1914, in Belgium, along the bloody western front of World War I, no one really knows who started the singing. A British or a German soldier, no one's sure, but in a foxhole somewhere, someone began to sing Silent Night. Silent Night, Holy Night. And pretty soon, the troops on both sides started singing in their respective languages. As daylight approached, the soldiers laid down their weapons and even shared food, and in one place, they even played a friendly game of soccer. Even among warring parties, there's something about what happened on a silent night 2,000 years ago that brings amazing peace to the middle of the chaos. Peace is not just the right circumstances. It's not just the lack of conflict. It's not just the lack of fear. Peace is resting in the assurance that in the midst of the conflict, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the struggle, that our God is a mighty God. And he has a plan to work everything out together for our good if we will trust him. And we have the promise of eternal life. And when you believe that, you will live at peace with God, with yourself, and with others. Jesus left the throne of heaven, was born in a stable, and from the foot of the manger to the foot of the cross, Jesus came to bring us peace. And we should hear the closing lines. Remember Henry Longfellow's lyrics and his doubt about peace? Well, here's how he wraps up the song. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong will fail 
and right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I'm not sure where you need God's peace, but it is available to you. To find peace, the answer is, okay, it's not just put down weapons. The answer is Jesus. So this morning, we're reminded of the sacrifice that Jesus made so we could be made right with God, so we could have peace with God. That's why each week we celebrate the Lord's Supper in communion. And like we did last week, what I want to encourage you to do right now is think about, um, do you have peace? Do you need peace? Do you need Jesus? Because he is the one who can bring you peace. And I'm going to ask right now that um, any of our um, elders or staff who are in here, um, if, if you guys would just come up front. Um, if you're online, you can fill something out on the comment card and we'll get with you. But um, I'm going to ask them to come front. And if you need prayer for a situation in your life, if you need peace, then come and talk to one of these leaders. Um, but I just think right now, just take a few moments. Take a little bit of time and think about what we've just talked about. And think about the areas where you need peace. And would you, like I said at the beginning of the service, maybe imagine that thing that's been holding you back. And think about, think about where you need peace. And will, will you hand that to the Lord? Or maybe if you don't have a relationship with Jesus already, then maybe this morning that's it. And I'd encourage you to come up and talk to one of these folks right here. Because they will be excited to share with you how to start that relationship with the Lord. And it will bring you peace. And then when you're ready, when you're ready, when you've thought about what God has done for you and the relationship you want to have with him, then take a few minutes right where you're at and celebrate the Lord's Supper. Remember that the little piece of bread represents his broken body and the cup has shed blood that forgives us our sins. And when we trust him, brings us back into relationship with God where we can experience peace. So take a few moments right now. Let me pray for you. And then when you're ready, you can take communion. And I really encourage you to come up and chat with some of these folks and uh, get on the path to finding peace. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for what he did on the cross. Thank you, Father, that your desire for us is peace. And Father, forgive us when we fight you on this. Forgive us when our pride and all of those things get in our way. Forgive, forgive us, Father, when we, when we try to be the fix-it people and we leave you out of the equation. God, we need you. We need you in our lives. We need you in our relationships. We need you in our world. So, Father, start with us. And, Father, we pray that this morning that we would truly be at peace with you through Jesus Christ the one who loved us enough to give his life for us. Thank you that he came. Thank you that he gave his life. Thank you that we have peace in you. We love you, Lord, and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.